This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. In a way, are some new race, perhaps, that's living amongst us right now. Millions of people around the world believe we have been visited in the past by extraterrestrial beings. What if... Aliens. Now, you probably know the name. You've seen this guy with a gravity-defying hairdo before. This guy with the answer to every question. What can we do to stop the globalists? Aliens. Is there a crop circle that exists literally anywhere? Aliens. The solution to world hunger? Aliens. The cure for COVID? Also probably aliens. But as hilarious and ridiculous as this is, maybe you've noticed the logo in the corner of this meme, the History Channel. The Mother Fluffin History Channel. And yes, it's Fluffin because we're in the first three minutes and I learned that YouTube rule, no cursy words. I'm chilling out. And I'm sorry, but aren't they supposed to be about, I don't know, facts and logic, proven science? If you want to believe in aliens, then absolutely go for it. But there's a bit of a difference between questioning their existence and assuming they're responsible for human occurrences. It seems like the History Channel just kind of stopped caring about this a while back though and realized that, hey, aliens are better for ratings. So why not tell the world that aliens caused the extinction of dinosaurs or that ancient architectural marvels like the pyramids, Nazca lines, and Pakal's sarcophagus are also the work of little green men? You might think that the geometric shapes and animals carved into the oxidized pebbles in Peru are gorgeous. They seem to serve as a reminder of our human fragility and allow us a small portal back in time to see where we came from. Maybe when looking at geoglyphs, you'd wonder who carved that hummingbird there and why. Was it for art's sake or was it more than that? Was it their way of leaving a stamp on the earth, leaving some sort of legacy behind? Ha, no silly goose. The lines there actually served as runways for spaceships, stupid, okay? Ignore the fact that a spaceship's weight would definitely disturb the entire plane and pretty much ruin any designs and artwork they touched. Those were definitely runways. And you've gotta believe them because it's the History Channel after all. And because their information is presented in a documentary-style way, then that makes them extra believable. What are their sources? That's like asking the dictionary for its sources. This is the History Channel, baby. vastly more intelligent than the average person. Knowledge of other worlds. He was able to access information that there's no way he could know about. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When these shows say that a gifted child who can read books at only the age of 10 months may be connected to extraterrestrials, the History Channel does seem to take itself seriously. They interview the founder of the Star Child Project, the term Star Child being what we call these kids that are potentially connected to aliens. And if the History Channel doesn't take the topic seriously, then the authors and supposed experts they showcase absolutely do. 
I mean, no offense, but if you're going to have the classic alien guy hypothesize that every human is part alien and potentially try to use skull sizes to back up your claims, then I'd really like to see some practicing neurosurgeons and anthropologists take a crack at this phenomenon too. Was not of earthly origin. And every human being already is part alien. Plus, maybe it's just me, and I know I'm spitballing a little bit in the intro here, but isn't the whole like comparing head sizes, wasn't that like when we were trying to compare races at like the turn of the century, like I'm talking the 18, 1900s turn of the century? Wasn't that like a thing people were trying to do to justify racism against certain like nationalities and stuff? Maybe I'm wrong, but I most certainly thought that was a thing. But I digress. Let's just assume for a moment that this is all in good fun. The History Channel is mixing ridiculous mockumentaries that seem scientific with actually historically accurate information, right? Well, there's actually still a few issues with this. When reputable organizations like the History Channel mix fact and fiction, it can become hard for some viewers to distinguish between them. Plus, others like the Discovery Channel have also followed in these questionable footsteps. You know, when you were a kid, your mom might ask you, would you jump off a cliff just because your best friend did it as a way to teach you not to just go with the crowd blindly? Well, Discovery Channel and the History Channel basically held hands and dove right off that ledge together. They both went from educational content to junk science for the sake of ratings. And as funny or entertaining as you might find Ancient Aliens, Shark Week, and any other number of programs that they've put out, one thing we often don't consider is the very real harmful effects that these shows can have. And let's find out what those are, shall we? Okay, we're seeing three or four objects. Uh, can, you, can you confirm that it's just the one that's actually moving? The other ones are just reflect, reflecting. Not only were there reports of bodies being found, but something else. Hello and welcome to The Corporate Casket. I'm the Illuminati and today we're talking about when supposedly educational channels perpetuate junk science, focusing mainly on programs by the History Channel and the Discovery Channel. So let's get back to ancient aliens first because it's kind of funny and kind of low hanging fruit if we're gonna be honest. 1931. French anthropologist Marcel Griul treks through the forbidding desert in search of the mysterious Dogon tribe. When he finds them, he becomes- Now, it's not exactly hard to find a really questionable and problematic episode of this program. Let's take a look at season one, episode six, called Mysteries of the Outer Realms. In a lengthy clip posted to YouTube, the History Channel and the alien meme man himself, Giorgio, an ancient astronaut theorist, explains how an African tribe known as the Dogon communicated with these people like gods. The gods came from the sky, lived in the sea, and helped mankind with the knowledge of math, science, and things of that nature. In short, aliens, right? Wrong, African culture. White people and pseudosciences have effectively disregarded these beliefs and co-opted their stories to suit their own alien conspiracies. To be curious about a tribe's culture is one thing, but as this clip wears on, these white pseudoscientists use this alien explanation as a reason for how the tribe knew the Earth spun on an axis or how they knew of certain star systems. Yes, it's true the tribe didn't have advanced technology at the time, but attributing aliens to basic math and science? Like what, do these conspiracy theorists not believe that Africans are capable of figuring this out without alien aid? And while that might seem like a rhetorical question, it apparently isn't because this happens very frequently. Despite the mountains of evidence that ancient Peruvians made the Nazca lines that we talked about earlier, the show Ancient Aliens would rather call them mysterious, baffling, and proof of extraterrestrial beings. 
So what is more likely that little green men made this shit than an ancient Peruvian? I just, it sounds mind boggling insulting to say something like that truthfully. Plenty of theorists have proposed what these lines are actually for, though it does seem like agricultural reasons and the transport of water may be the most likely explanation. Even if it's not super clear what the lines were used for, writing Peruvians out of the story and potentially giving credit to aliens instead is just the wrong move here. But hey, no one takes ancient aliens seriously, right? It's supposed to be just a joke, just, you know, entertainment. So these questionable theories shouldn't have any weight to them, right? Well, also no. Katy Perry of all people told the Rolling Stone in 2011, quote, when it talks about the sky people, how everyone comes from the sky and how the pyramids were used for star observations, it's too much for me. It all seems to connect the dots. It's blowing my mind. And I mean, maybe she just means it's an interesting conspiracy, but it really doesn't seem that way. And while it's not too difficult to find out that these aren't based on any real science, since we're still learning about space and the show seems to blend a sprinkling of fact with fiction, it makes the program easier to believe. Plus, what average viewer is going to argue with the supposed historians and experts they have on the program? Like, there are a lot of people on this planet who still believe the earth is flat. Like, seriously. But you're going to tell me that no one would actually take ancient aliens seriously? Like, let's be real here, of course some viewers will. And in that sense, the History Channel is failing at educating anyone, and they're quite frankly doing the opposite. Another massive problem is whether or not viewers can shrug this off, the consequences of this narrative are all too real. According to The Conversation, around 2017, pseudoscientists raided Peruvian graves as part of the Alien Project. The project, as expected from the name, is insistent that aliens are responsible for the famous markings. Hell, even Greenpeace has mistreated this place, using it as a prop in the message of environmentalism by leaving their time for change lettering near the site of the hummingbird geoglyph. Preserving this wonder of the world is already difficult enough given how popular it is and the lack of safety rules and tourism infrastructure. The last thing we need are said tourists to treat the place as an alien souvenir as opposed to a Peruvian cultural heritage point. The Nazca lines aren't alone in this though. There's also a series of stone circles in South Africa's and I apologize that I'm really gonna be bad at pronouncing this, but the Ampamalanga province that according to scientific research was built by the Kony people. They had advanced methods of farming. And yet the two explanations that pseudo archeologists have come up with are that one, medieval Europeans built them or two, aliens built them. And I'm sorry, but why is this so common for non-European civilizations that it's either somehow the European civilizations must have been involved or two, aliens? Not that those other folks could have been perfectly capable to do this on their own. Well, the answer isn't aliens, but it's a more human word than that, racism. Colonial powers saw their quote, subjects as fascinating, but primitive. Yes, they have amazing stone circles and pyramids and trenches. They acknowledge that of course, but surely these primitive people couldn't make this. And that's where stories of aliens and white Europeans making it comes from. Ancient aliens, whether you consider it funny or a pathetic attempt at a joke is basically just the embodiment of this idea in television form and little else. Plus, unfortunately, when we've historically shown so little respect for the true history and importance of those that built these sites, we can't really expect uneducated conspiracy theorists to have that respect either. And that's led to assholes taking off pieces of the pyramids to analyze and prove its real origin. Though these particular assholes thought it was because they're Atlantean power stations, not spaceships or whatever, the message is still the same. And I have a special loathing for people doing unnecessary damage to gorgeous pyramid-shaped objects in particular. But 
Anyway, pseudoscience and pseudo-architecture are harmful, and the History Channel itself, ironically, has a knack for spreading those messages, whether they intended to or not. But it's definitely not only the History Channel doing this. The Discovery Channel, too, seemingly abandoned their educational format for the sake of ratings when they created Shark Week, which also has some pretty dire consequences. On the third try, the shark makes a faster and more persistent approach, snapping several times. Shark Week, as the founder of the Pelagic Shark Research Foundation puts it, is all about big game trophy fishing, extreme sports diving, and science fiction monster sharks. Sharks are seen as the boogeymen of the ocean, and even in recent months, the Discovery Channel is more than happy to portray them that way. They're unreal, powerful, and fast. Who wouldn't love watching these creatures in motion? It's like a real-life horror movie, basically. Given this, it might surprise you to learn that Shark Week from the late 1980s to around the mid-1990s was actually about conservation, and I'm not joking. This annual tradition was once about highlighting the problems sharks face and correcting misconceptions, but now it's effectively doing the opposite. In 2021, Discovery aired the following programs. Alien Shark's Greatest Hits, Cuba's Secret Shark Lair, Guy Fieri's Feeding Frenzy, Shark Tank Meets Shark Week, Shark Wrecked, Great White Shark Babies, Sharks Gone Wild, and an adaptation of an existing Discovery property, Naked and Afraid of Sharks. Oh my God, is that a shark? Whoa, shark right there. Sharks have a highly developed sense of smell. They can detect one drop of blood. I really failed to see how this encourages conservation in the slightest, but that's not really the point anymore, is it? Instead, Shark Week has become commercialized, sensationalized, and all the educational content has effectively been stripped right from it. And again, someone could use the same argument they did for ancient aliens, right? No one takes it seriously. People know that there aren't that many shark attacks and it's all in good fun. Even the channel's vice president of development and production said in 2014 that these Sharkageddon and Sharkpocalypse titles weren't meant to be taken seriously, just push an envelope. However, like ancient aliens, there are consequences to Shark Week that need to be taken seriously. And of course, some viewers can't distinguish between fact and fiction. Take the Megalodon, for example. This monster is real in the same way that dinosaurs are real. They used to dominate the planet's ocean. You can find fossilized evidence of this in museums and be stunned and awed by the size of just the jaws. But here's where the problem comes in. The Discovery Channel created a documentary called Megalodon, The Monster Shark That Lives, and people believed it. About 75% of people that took part in an online Discovery poll said that yes, they were convinced that Megalodon is still alive today, despite the documentary being based on flimsy or downright fake evidence. Christy Wilcox wrote in Discover Magazine, quote, no whale with a giant bite taken out of it has ever washed up here in Hawaii. No fishing vessel went mysteriously missing off of South Africa in April. No one has ever found unfossilized megalodon teeth. Colin Drake doesn't exist. The evidence was faked, the stories fabricated, and the scientists portrayed on it were actors. The idea that megalodon could still be roaming the ocean is a complete and total myth. As Wilcox pointed out, there are fantastic sharks out there, even ones with a bite strength high enough to crush a car. But instead of talking about actual sharks, promoting conservation efforts, or talking about any of this in any productive, factual way, the Discovery Channel used its format and reputation to deceive its viewers. This isn't to say that mockumentaries should be banned or anything, but a tiny basic disclaimer doesn't seem like too much to ask for when in the past, 
Discovery has been considered the world's number one nonfiction media company. Like in so many cases, it's the presentation and transparency that lies at the root of the problem. If you're a reputable, factual television channel and decide to pivot to mockumentaries and misinformation, the least you can do is stick a disclaimer on that. It shouldn't be too much to ask for. Unfortunately, not only has Shark Week failed to do this, but Smithsonian calls it the largest stage in marine biology, giving junk science an audience of millions of viewers. David Schiffman, an actual marine biologist, and five of his colleagues watched over 200 episodes of Shark Week in late 2022 to see just how much misinformation is spread through these programs. According to their findings, many of the episodes are, quote, missed countless chances to teach a massive audience about shark conservation. Worse yet, they even glorified wildlife harassment and have likely exacerbated existing issues. Pseudoscience is bad enough, but I guess the Discovery Channel decided they could amp things up a bit. And as I'm not a marine biologist, allow me to let David explain. Firstly, the Discovery Channel has claimed that Shark Week educates the public about conservation, while just six of the 200 plus episodes had actionable tips that are honestly pretty weak at best. For example, telling your predominantly US-based viewers not to eat shark fin soup, a traditional Asian delicacy, isn't really a useful conservation tip. The US is only involved in about 1% of the global fin trade, so discussing the ban of finning here isn't all that helpful either. We're not the audience that is going to really be able to make like an actionable change. If the Discovery Channel actually wanted to help, why not talk about what a massive issue overfishing has become? They show plenty of footage of divers in shark cages, but the real research, tracking tag sharks or genetic and paleontological studies come second to scuba divers because lab work is less exciting and less positive for ratings, so I guess the Discovery Channel doesn't bother with it. Basically, they want to promote conservation efforts in their own way, not in the way that might actually be most helpful to the sharks themselves. And if their way happens to be harmful or lead to misinformation, then so be it. David also points out, as you'd probably expect by now, that there aren't really many genuine experts on the Shark Week program either. One underwater photographer they feature, Andy Casagrande, has literally encouraged shark diving while taking LSD. And I'm not kidding. He said this, this is, here's her quote. Allows you spiritually connect with these polite and majestic predators. It facilitates enlightenment and coexistence on an existential level that cannot be superseded by anything except photosynthetic sour candy. But okay, Discovery Channel, what a great expert to feature on your program. And all of this, you might think, would be enough reason to seriously question the Discovery Channel's intentions, as well as the motive for Shark Week being on air. If it's about money and nothing more, then the good from it doesn't even come close to matching the harm. But we haven't even gotten to the harassing wildlife part yet. One of their specials, Zombie Shark, was pitched as a scuba diver attempting to become the first person to induce underwater tonic immobility in a massive great white shark. In other words, flipping it over onto its back so it enters a catatonic state. And I have to ask, why? Why go around literally trying to flip sharks over? It's a basic survival tactic they use when fighting and it's only going to burn more energy. It's basically like a last resort. And for the animal, I have to imagine it's not exactly a pleasant experience either. Human victims of trauma have actually had this happen before and said it was like an out-of-body experience, like the trauma was happening to someone else. So from what we already know about this tonic immobility, it's not like these divers are about to give this shark a cute little belly rub. So let me ask again, why? Researchers already know this exists. We know why it happens. If Discovery Channel actually had a valid, useful, and scientific reason for doing this, like tagging them for conservation, 
then they could at least share it with the class, right? Because experts in the field have said that this is otherwise simply harassment of a protected species. And I mean, I wholeheartedly agree. It's like the fucking cow tipping of the ocean. It's pointless and not fun for the sharks. Now, that's not to say that sharks are the only ones with misinformation being spread about them on a supposedly information channel. There are plenty of other fake, exaggerated, or questionable programs they've hosted, like the Amish Mafia. But the reason I find Shark Week the most upsetting is because it's a cultural icon and it's about sharks, you know, creatures who really can't defend themselves against misinformation in the first place. It's not like there's a shark support group out there where great whites and zombie sharks all sit in a circle and talk about the divers that tried to flip them over to get better ratings on their TV programs. So what exactly does that leave us with? We've got two former educational channels that have devolved so much to the point where I honestly feel that they're doing the exact opposite of their intended goals. And for what exactly? Why does this keep happening? And before we try to answer that question and look how education turned into misinformation, let's go ahead and take a quick moment to thank today's sponsors. If saving more and spending less is one of your top goals for 2023, then why are you still paying insane amounts of money every month for your phone bill? Switching to Mint Mobile is the easiest way to save this year. As the first company to sell premium wireless service online only, Mint Mobile lets you order from home and save a ton with phone plans starting at just 15 bucks a month. And I've been using Mint Mobile now for over two years, I think like two and a half, we're kind of scooching it on three years now. And it has been one of the best decisions I ever made. The bill is always very easy to understand and very easy to pay and take care of. Service is fantastic. And I've never looked back at saving, oh my God, like what, like 80 bucks a month for like two and a half years now. That's amazing. And what's really great about going online only and eliminating the traditional cost of retail, Mint Mobile is just passing those savings on to you. All their plans are gonna come with unlimited talk and text plus high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. You can use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan to switch easily in minutes with eSIM. So to get your new wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month and get the plan shipped to your door for free, make sure you go to mintmobile.com casket. That's mintmobile.com casket. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com casket. If you're anything like most people, setting grand resolutions for the new year never really works out and it can feel really daunting. So try this instead. Start small and think about little habit changes you can make one step at a time. That's why Blueland is perfect because it makes it so easy to start a new low-waste lifestyle. No massive overhaul to your routine, just tiny changes that add up to huge impact. Blueland is on a mission to eliminate single-use plastic by reinventing cleaning essentials to be better for you and for the planet. And their idea is simple. They offer beautiful, endlessly refillable cleaning products. Just fill your bottles up with water, drop in the tablets, and wait for them to dissolve. You'll never have to grab bulky cleaning supplies on your grocery run, and refills start at just $2.25. You can even set up a subscription or buy in bulk for additional savings. You can try their Clean Essentials Kit, which has everything you need to get started with three bottles of cleaner plus a bottle of hand soap. And it comes in beautiful light scents such as iris agave, fresh lemon, and eucalyptus mint. And of course, I always, 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 always have to mention their laundry kit. I love their cleaning tablets, plus they're unscented and they're very sensitive or gentle on my skin. I don't know if they're actually made to be sensitive or not, but they don't actually irritate me or my laundry, which is fabulous. And the wool balls to put in the dryer are, they always work like a charm. I love them. I have like six of them now. I'm like really kind of addicted, honestly. So if you wanna get started, Blue Land has a special offer just for corporate casket listeners. You'll get 15% off your first order when you go to blueland.com slash casket. 
That's right, you'll get 15% off your first order when you go to blueland.com slash casket. Again, blueland.com slash casket. Multiple education channels have resorted to reality TV in order to make a profit and for the sake of ratings. The History Channel, the Discovery Channel, Animal Planet, TLC, even MTV, which was once solely about music, just to name a few, honestly. Basically, when television was new, the government founded these educational shows that were, at one point, dedicated to documentaries. Some have come out of this looking a bit worse than others, but the early 2000s reality TV boom hit all of them pretty hard. I could sit here and criticize reality TV as a whole and call it fake and sensationalized, and I really do enjoy doing that, but we already know that. It's the shows that are abusive, discriminatory, or harmful that I want to focus on. Plus, I don't wholeheartedly blame each individual channel for this, and perhaps if they wanted to transfer to reality TV, then that would be their choice and yada 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 would be all good. But instead of just making a cookie-cutter reality program, many of these channels seem to attempt to mix educational, historical content, and reality TV together. Clearly, from Shark Week and Ancient Aliens, this doesn't always work out in education's favor. Instead, what we're left with are these sad husks of informational programming. And while I'd love to say that this might change, it doesn't seem like cable TV is going to get any better. And frankly, I feel that in order to try and grab attention off of the streaming platforms, they kind of need to be more ridiculous as time goes on. The Discovery Channel actually severing ties with BBC almost a decade ago seems to confirm this too. All the way back in 2014, Business Insider reported that their fake documentaries were getting more and more ridiculous, especially after that Megalodon release. But to top it off, they aired another program called Russian Yeti, The Killer Lives around the same time period. Their article reads, The special follows a filmmaker as he researches footage apparently showing the deaths of nine hikers killed in 1959. But perhaps the bigger mystery is how the doomed hikers got access to a high-quality digital camcorder in the late 50s. They've also got altered historical images and videos, like adding a massive shark fin beside a German U-boat from World War II. Therefore, the stills may seem all the more real and legitimate and may be all more likely to fool people. Other channels that were a touch slower to drift into this mockumentary-type format have also found success and reward in doing so too. One of the Animal Planet's biggest successes was called Mermaid, The Body Found. And though they did give a disclaimer about it being fake, it only flashed on screen at the end and for a few seconds in a teeny tiny little font. Now, don't get me wrong, this isn't to say that documentaries are inherently good and informative and these channels are killing them. One of the very first feature-length documentaries in existence, a 1922 film called Nanook of the North, had significant staging and was apparently very dissimilar to the Inuit hunters it was supposed to represent. Plus, Disney's 1958 White Wilderness had perpetuated the myth that lemmings will hurl themselves off a cliff into the sea due to migratory frenzy when filmmakers actually chase the poor animals off the cliff in the first place. One of these is a mousy little rodent called the lemming. Here's an actual living legend. For it's said of this tiny animal that it commits mass suicide by rushing into the sea in droves. Other documentaries claim to be real, like Venom Hunters on the Discovery Channel. It may contain animal abuse, permit violations, misrepresentation, and other animal welfare violations. Documentaries and educational channels aren't and will never be perfect. But it's this deliberate way of framing a documentary as informative that I can't stand. 
the people that buy into it are said to be suffering from the History Channel effect, and that's how common it is that the History Channel does shit like this. According to a paper on the matter, quote, documentary films have long been treated as objective windows into history because viewers feel as if we can see and presumably feel what people in the past saw and felt. As a result, students and the general public don't apply the same critical eye as they do when watching a historically inaccurate Hollywood movie. Historian Robert Rosenstone explains that documentary films are more problematic than Hollywood films as historians, journalists, and the general public are more trusting of documentary films because they resemble written history more than feature film. The History Channel, of all things, should understand this. Actual historians helped develop the channel and back in the 1990s, they were grateful for it. One of the consultants said that while errors may be made, they took history seriously and appreciated all who consulted, commented, criticized, and researched in order to make the channel what it was. If History Channel wanted to abandon that, it's a shame, but it's their prerogative. But instead, they've just bastardized history and conspiracy into total nonsense. And the Discovery Channel, in my opinion, is no better. It's fucked to present an absolute lie as fact when your foundation is as an educational platform. At least be honest about it, and maybe start by putting a giant flashing disclaimer at the bottom of your episodes, maybe even something like this. This episode is only for entertainment. This has almost no basis in reality. Those that treat this as fact are doing a great disservice to researchers that have proven the contrary. These lies may directly or indirectly harm the subjects we're talking about, be it culture, animals, conservation efforts, etc. We're not educating anyone, those days are behind us. And yeah, it's a long ass, very, very informal disclaimer and they'll never use it. It would also probably cover up half the screen. So obviously they wouldn't wanna draw attention to that either. But I think a disclaimer like that would be a lovely improvement. But with all of that being said, that is where I'm going to end today's episode of The Corporate Casket. I hope you did actually learn something new today, unlike these channels. And if you did, make sure that you're liking, following and subscribing to stay up to date on all the latest episodes. I do keep all of the sources that I use to create each of these episodes in the description box below. It's going to be a little link. It literally says sources. And then the link right there will just be some kind of like pastebin link and they should be all numbered and put together all neatly for you. But hey, with all of that being said, those are just my opinions, thoughts, some information, just things to simmer on. I hope you have a great rest of your day. It was great that you hung out with me for what, 20, 30-ish minutes, however long you stayed. I do really appreciate it. And I'll see you in the next one. Bye.